Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Liminality Podcast. Um, I'm Tyler, here with Pat. Pat, if you want to say anything. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Uh, welcome to the podcast and hope you enjoy. Alright, uh, so today we're going to be talking about a Ohio River cryptid. Um, Pat and I both happen to live in, you know, counties in Kentucky that put up alongside the Ohio River, um, and in doing some research on some topics that we were planning on exploring, we came across this one, uh, I think we both kind of like the name of it, um, but anyways, this is the Ohio River Octoman, um, and it's a bit of a peculiar one uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, a lot of our information this week is coming from a uh, um, an entry on the fandom wiki, which, you know, as far as, like, actual valid news sources go, like, wikis leave stuff to be desired. But when it's all you can find, that's what you got to go with. Um, uh, and the thing about cryptology, too... I mean, most of the time, newspapers and stuff are not going to put it out. So the fandom, you know, uh, wiki, I mean, it's just what people put out there. I mean, it's you do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, but speaking in newspapers, though, um, I guess just for some background info, uh, this cryptid reared its odd head. Um out of the Ohio River in 1959. That's uh, when a slew of people reported. I think there's like five uh, people that witnessed um, something uh, come out of the Ohio River, and it you know may very well have been this Octoman. Uh, the Cincinnati Post and Times Star uh, ran an article on it on um, January 29th, 1959, uh, and it's titled, What Is It? Monster churns up the Ohio, uh, and it had the subheading, Anyone Missing an in- Indescribable Monster That Swims. Um, and if you want to do your own digging, um, I have seen it described a lot as the indescribable Octoman, which, you know, I feel like you say, we say Octoman, and it gives people a certain image. Um, <laughs> but really, like, I guess... The main thing about this is that it was so weird looking, nobody really knows how to describe it. Um, hence, the moniker Indescribable, indescribable Octoman. <laughs> uh, so there actually were a few articles printed in the Cincinnati Post and Times Star. Uh, I searched for a while to try and find some archives on those. Um, couldn't find any available for free because... Kind of a broke boy, uh, but we do plan on subscribing to uh, newspapers.com um, here, probably starting next week, um, so that we can hopefully do a uh, little bit more in-depth research. I don't know, it's like Pat said, it's not like a lot of this stuff's front page news, um, but our hopes are, you know, some of these local papers are going to print whatever, you know, sales, because, I mean... We're mainly covering Kentucky and Appalachia, and it's not like there's a whole lot of big places outside of, you know, Lexington, Louisville, maybe even Bowling Green, those places. So so we might be able to find some weird stuff, hopefully. Uh, but anyways, back into uh, the Octoman saga, I guess is what I'll call it. Um, the indescribable Octoman saga. Uh, and the way we're kind of doing this podcast is a little different. Uh, if you've listened to, um, you know, the vast catalog of three episodes that we have out so far, um, you'll see that we're missing Ryan in this episode. Um, he said the Octoman was pretty new to him, so um, me and Pat just decided to tackle this one ourselves. Uh, so the structure is going to be a little bit different. Um, a lot of what we're going to be doing is reading um from this wiki and uh then we will be you know if something warrants discussion um pat or i'll kick it off and we'll talk about it and then we'll continue 
Uh, anyways, I'm looking through this. Um, okay. Uh, the first, I guess, sighting that this article kind of gets into is, um, it says the ostensibly amphibious beast was first reported to Ohio's Claremont County and New Richmond Police by an unnamed man who claimed that something came out of the river. Well, I feel like lots of things come out of rivers. Uh, <laughs> approximately four miles from New Richmond. Yeah. yeah. Uh, according to the spooked witness, the alien life form he saw was utterly indescribable. Uh, needless to say, police took this anonymous report with a proverbial grain of salt, but they changed their tune when a second concerned caller... This time, a truck driver en route to Indianapolis phoned from a gas station located on Kellogg Avenue near a bridge on the Little Miami River. The trucker claimed that as he drove from Mount Washington towards Cincinnati, he had spied an unclassified entity unlike anything he'd ever seen. Uh, so yeah, so there's the first two um, eyewitness events. Pat, you want to chime in on anything here? I mean... While driving, I mean, it's always best to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially in a situation like this, you know, while you're driving around, you always, you know, try to take in the scenery and everything. Especially with myself, I do a lot of driving. Um, just to see something like this pop its head out of the wall. I don't even know what the hell I would do. Oh, this was you. on a bridge. He didn't even see it pop out of the water like it was walking. Oh wow! Yeah, I definitely don't know what the hell I'll do that. <laughs> yep. Um, my the thing that comes into mind here when I see the wording, especially um, you know, uh, indescribable alien life form, unclassified entity, things like that. Uh, I think it's the language that just this entry wiki thing's using. Uh, you know, it has me wondering, like, what if this thing, you know, isn't earthly at all, which, I mean, who knows if it's real or not, but, I mean, uh, I think there's two schools of thought you could take here, and one is, you know, this is a cryptid that the Ohio River's effed up in more ways than one, it's so polluted and whatnot, and I won't even swim in it, um, but, you know, so we have one camp that, you know, there's a creepy crawly in the mud of the Ohio River, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I also think, especially the way it's described, or I guess the lack of description, um, you know, kind of makes me even think like alien UFO. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be a UFO. I guess it would be a UWO, unidentified walking <laughs> something. So maybe a UWS, that's what we'll call it, unidentified walking something. Um but you know, maybe it's not even from here. Maybe, uh, maybe dude's spaceship crashed in the Ohio River. <laughs> He's just, you know, getting out to pull an ET and phone home. Right. And for me, I feel like there's always that possibility with cryptids. Um, yeah, they could have been here, you know, thousands of years. They could have been some form of evolution from man, or they're from outer space um with cryptids we truly do not know uh there's so much potential and um like unexplained to it i mean it's not like we've captured a bigfoot or Mm -hmm. sit down with a mothman or anything like that i mean it's all hearsay you know they say um like we truly just don't understand the concept of a cryptid. Um, we don't know where they came from. Um, I mean, we don't know if they're real. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's the big thing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's very true. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, and there's even people out there that claim Bigfoot. You know, is from another dimension. And it's not, you know, native to. I guess this plane of existence or this world even that it's um a alien life form or like I said, a form from another dimension or what have you. There's all kinds of Bigfoot weirdness out there. Um continuing on a little bit with this entry, 
says, of course, just because local police were pursuing the case doesn't mean that they took it seriously. In fact, another, again, unnamed officer sarcastically speculated that this thing might be from... This is... That's worded badly. That's bad grammar. Uh... I guess it's trying to say that this thing might be an alien <laughs> when he was quoted saying it was it really was a riot here. We kept waiting for someone to say, take me to your leader. Um, and this is something and I know there's skeptics out there and I know the believers or the believers or the hopefuls or whatever are probably in the minority. Um, just because, you know, something like this challenges uh, your worldview on such a fundamental level that it's easier to make fun of people um, reporting this stuff than it is to actually take it serious. Uh, right. And, you know, that's held back a lot of, I think, possible advancements in fields like this because, you know, people aren't going to come out and say stuff because, you know, like I said, we got unnamed um, witnesses and stuff, uh, but they're not going to say stuff because, you know, they're... Fear of, you know, getting ridiculed. Um, like we see here, you know, while it may not have been directly said to this person, uh, you know, there's a stigma that a lot of times gets attached to people who do come out and report, um, you know, these unusual uh, sightings, unusual happenstances. You know, it's not just with cryptids. It's, you know, people get claim they're abducted and it can have a profound psychological effect on them whether the phenomena is real or not you know but it's like we've said in here time and time again uh you know it don't matter what we believe it matters what that person experienced and how it has impacted them and you know these things uh whether it's just some psychological phenomena or whatever you know they've had very real impacts on people like we discussed in kelly hopkinsville uh like we discussed with um you know the pike or Pope Lick, yeah, the Pope Lick Goat Man, you know, whether these things are real or not, uh, you know, they fuck people up. <laughs> uh, and I laugh, and I mean, I'm also not saying it lightly, because uh, a lot of this stuff just gets brushed aside. Um, and I feel like that was a little bit of a soapbox that probably didn't need to be there, but I feel like, you know, it's well, something worth saying. Well, and here's the thing. If someone actually investigated, like, the Pope Lick, say, a team from the sheriff's office, uh, you know, they told the people, you know, from CSX, right, the yeah. railroad company, I think it's CSX. Or I don't, something I don't like that. know. It's a railroad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if they would have told them, hey, give us a day, don't run nothing on this line, and just go out and investigate it. And make sure there was nothing there. Yeah, I don't think that's possible though. Just from like an economic standpoint. <laughs> well, I get that. I, I, mean, I mean, and even then, I, like, I, go ahead. I feel like putting out some kind of statement to the community and try to debunk, you know, to keep people from going up there. You know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, to try to save. You know people's lives i mean even then i think you know people are just naturally curious and if they just spend like a day going up there there'll be people like oh well you know they just you know because i mean you're a, you've investigated plenty of you know paranormal stances um places not stances uh and you know things don't happen every single time yeah that's true because i mean i've had i've done Multiple locations, multiple times. Mm -hmm. There's some some nights we didn't get shit. To be honest. Then mm -hmm. others, it's it's off the wall, just nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Yep. All right. Um. So continuing with this, regardless of how many of how amused some officers were by the rampant monster reports. Most of the dispatchers who responded to the witnesses' calls, including one Frank B. Eisler, agreed that those making the reports sounded legitimately shaken and sober, uh, which kind of gets to that point I was making a while ago, you know, um, whether there's a logical, you know, 
grounded explanation. You know, these people are still shaken. Uh, as if the situation were not already strange enough, right after the creature report started filtering in, all of the street lamps along Kellogg Avenue, from Lunkin Airport to Coney Island, the Coney Island in Ohio, um, were extinguished simultaneously. Uh, which is weird, I think. You know, it could, yeah, it could be a coincidence, but at the same time, um, this is what makes me think alien. <laughs> uh, that's kind of right. why I hinted at that earlier. Um, because in UFO sightings, you know, there's, and like I said, this wasn't a UFO. No, at least there's no reports. You know, somebody may have seen a UFO that night. There's no reports on that. It mainly centers around this UWS. Um, once again, I'm going to coin this term, uh, unidentified walking. Oh, what was the S for? Something. Something. Yeah. Unidentified something. walking something. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, because when there's high strangeness, um, there's a lot of reports of, you know, messing with elect electric stuff, uh, cars will shut off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a peculiar thing. Yeah. Uh, something to touch on with that. It could be something where, um, uh, it felt like it was in distress as well. To where it let off something in the EMF field, which is possibilities, considering we don't know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the newspaper stated, uh, while many of the officers were disdainful of the entire affair, some of the more diligent cohorts were in the field legitimate, legitimately concerned that folks were reporting was not a monster, but a victim of an automobile accident. Uh, I think that's interesting. Um, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Cryptonaut. Um, oh, yeah, the Cryptonaut podcast. They brought this up, you know, somebody gets in a wreck, thrown through the windshield, covered in mud and debris and stuff, and still kind of in shock, just wandering around. Um, well, I think that's stretching it. You know, the possibility that this would... I mean, as a police officer, I feel like that is where... If you're really concerned, that's where your first thought's going to be. You know, somebody seriously walking around fucked up. We need to go see if we can find this person help. and get them help. Yeah. Uh, well, and I feel like that was good police work doing their due diligence as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I just thought that was neat. Um, because, you know, like we said, we don't know if cryptids are real, but we know people get in accidents all the time. So, you know, I think for a... First line of thinking. Um, now, to my knowledge, they never did find anybody like this, so I don't know. Hopefully that person, if it was a person, found help. You know, hopefully they didn't just fall into the river and meet their demise. Totally. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like, I don't know. I mean, if they survived, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they'd come forward at some point being like, oh, yeah, you know. Or, you know, that was like, I guess they may not have me. I don't know. That's enough speculation on that aspect. I feel like there's a lot of rabbit holes that we could go down. Uh, the following day, on January 30th, 1959, uh, once again, the Cincinnati Post and Times Star once again fed the Creature Hungry Public more details. Uh, the article was titled, Driver Swears It Happened, River Monster Takes a Stroll on Bridge. The piece went on to report that high winds had caused the power outage, despite the fact that the police had already revealed that the lights were on two different circuits. Uh, they also stated that additional reports of the monster came in on early Friday. The January 30th article also included testimony from a man who was identified simply as a scientist, giving me men in black vibes, uh, the scientist asserted that on the following, or that on the morning following the uproar, he was driving across the Licking River, a tributary of the Ohio River that flows into Kentucky, when something le leaped, leapt on the bridge. The newspaper published his full description. Uh, but yet, well, it doesn't give that full description. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, and the thing about though, with the Licking River. There's so much because the Looking River is pretty long, mm -hmm. um, which it actually goes by uh, Bobby Mackey's. Yeah, 
um, which will be another segment. Um, it with Kentucky, I can't explain this enough. You never know what's here. There's so many mountains, um, caves, and who's to say that there's you know not some kind of underground um entrance to the cave system there mm-hmm. so i mean who knows i do want to say in case anybody is listening and you know all you have is like pristine water sources <laughs> the Ohio river is like super duper dark shade of green and that's when it's not brown <laughs> like it's not clean at all like no. And that's the way with a lot of the water around here. I mean, I got a creek in front of my house that I don't swim in because I can't see more than like a foot into the water. So um, you just never know what's in them. You know, it's not like I've heard, you know, places like out west and stuff where they take um, conservation and, you know, environmentalism a little more serious than unfortunately we do here. Um, unfortunately that we don't take it serious here not unfortunately that they do um you know where there is a lot of clear water sources and whatnot um that's actually rare around here um so you know we don't know what's in the bottom of it you know uh but i also want to touch on how um and i don't know anything about surgery or anything like this so if somebody does and listens to this and wants to explain why this is a big deal i'd love to hear it um but how they report that high winds cause the power outage and yet that the lights are revealed to be on two different circuits i don't know why there's a disconnect there um I'm so, a, go with, ahead. so with the circuits um depending on if they come from two separate power stations um it's just like your breaker box you know how your breaker box has two breaker like multiple breakers yeah that's what's talking about different circuits. Uh, so for the lighting, it's on two separate breakers. Whether if it's from the same power station or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a little more sense. That it would there'd be a disconnect there. Um, the same morning, or perhaps the night before, the accounts are exasperatingly sketchy about correlating specific times and sightings. A young woman claimed to have seen the thing in a creek near Fort Thomas pumping station near the Ohio River in Kentucky. She was the first witness to compare the creature to an octopus. Um, so that's where the Octoman comes from, actually, is that report. Because, uh, like I said before that, people don't really know. Like, you know, it was described as in- indescribable. So, um, so you're looking for... That's the etymology of Octoman. It comes from that um, report near the, from the creek near Fort Thomas, or the Fort Thomas pumping station. Uh, considering the lack of specific details reported in local papers, it is difficult to discern just what this witness saw that compelled her to compare it to an octopus. Uh, did the beast have tentacles, a bulbous octopoid head, or both, or additional tributes. Um, basically, we don't know. Uh, it goes on to say another unidentified woman who may or may not have been entirely serious allegedly shouted at a Cincinnati Post and Time Star reporter, We saw that thing this morning. Now you're going to put my name in the paper and call me a crackpot? Uh, <laughs> I think that's, I mean, it's amusing, but at the same time, you know, it goes to show that. And <clears throat> and before I say this, I want to point out that my background's in journalism. I'm not one of these people that, you know, think the press is all bad. Um, I think a lot of mainstream press is not good. Uh, but I feel like this goes to show, you know, just how much, um, going back to the policemen, you know, making fun of these reports and... Um, even the titles, uh, you know, of the articles about it in the Cincinnati Post, um, you know, it just goes back to that uh, all dismissive, um, dismissive attitude that kind of, uh, well, you know, this will grab the attention of some people, but ultimately, 
you know, this is to poke fun. This isn't to, um, you know, get anybody to buy into this kind of stuff. And like I said, and I get it that, you know, skeptics um, probably make up the majority of the population. And like I said, that's fine. Uh, but at the same time, you know, as a paper, as a, you know, getting my undergrad in journalism, that's something every professor I ever had was, you know, don't be biased, remove all bias, you know, be unbiased. Um, and I feel like this is obviously not that. And I don't know what kind of newspaper the Cincinnati Post and Time Star was. Um, was like I said, I couldn't really find much on it. Uh, so, you know, it, it could be like the National Enquirer for all I know. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if you're going to report this type of stuff, in my opinion, you need to do it from, you know, a middle ground, not, not a dive in and, you know, be coming up with theories on what this is or, you know, where the, where the crash site was, whatever. Uh, but at the same time, not just outright dismissive. I'm um, just running the paper to get, you know, people to buy it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, definitely for sure. Um, you know, being an investigator myself, I always try to look for the full picture and like, you know, doing an investigation on someone's house. I never want there to be something for their sake. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always try to take, take it by a grain of salt. Um, if something happens that you can't explain, then you chalk it up, you know, to something you can't explain. Um, doing an investigation, you know, one night compared to their, them living there, not everything's going to happen where you're there. And I've had that happen multiple times. Um, and just try to take what people say serious enough to investigate. Um, You know, don't make fun of people. Um, Because I've had a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, this and this and this happened in my house, but I'm not going to let you investigate because I don't want people to think I'm a crackpot. I mean, just like you said. And I understand that. But if there's something going on in your home, it needs to be taken care of. And if you don't want someone to investigate it, just have whatever your religion may be, have them come bless your house. Anyways. Uh, yeah, like going back to what you said, you know, if somebody comes up, if somebody were to come to me legitimately distressed and say, Tyler, there is an eight-foot stuffed Barney that, you know, Barney the Dinosaur... It comes out of the woods every night and terrorizes my home. Like, in my head, I might be like, well, this is hilarious. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to be concerned just because, you know, they're legitimately concerned. And to me, that's what a lot of this is. It's the human element that interests me most. Um, And like I've talked about time and time again, um, whether you believe in this stuff or not, it genuinely affects people that experience these types of things, whether it's paranormal whether it's abductions, whether it's, um, you know, hunting down Bigfoot or whatever, these things have had a profound um, psychological impact on the people that have experienced this stuff firsthand. Um, Like I said, whether it's just some weird psychological phenomena, whether there's like an underlying mental condition, um, you know, or whether it's the actual, you know, whether this stuff's actually happening, um, to me that goes out of the window when somebody is legitimately you know like you know fearing for their life for some reason um when it comes to you know something that can't readily be explained by um science by them or you know even by me yeah most definitely like i said you don't have to buy into all of it but um you know you should care about the person um now if it's some somebody coming up off off the streets that you don't even know um sure be a little skeptical you know they might be on crack or whatever uh, but that's another problem um but you know if it's somebody you know somebody that you know you trust that is confided in you um for whatever reason um i'm always willing to give those people the benefit of a doubt 
um, and at least, you know, be concerned for them, even if I don't fully buy into whatever phenomena they experience. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, the same day, less than five miles away in Covington, yeah, now back to Octomail, <laughs> uh, <laughs> another woman who clearly saw the creature gave what is by far the most thorough description. Uh, sadly, her story would not be published for nearly 20 years. This is probably in the 70s, maybe even 80s. Um, according to respected cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, all public accounts of this monster brought up until nearly two decades later when UFOologist or ufologist and Bigfoot investigator Dennis Pilchus, I don't know if I said that right, published a booklet titled Bigfoot Tales of Unexplained Creatures in 1978. Okay, so 70s. Uh, Pilchus, a native of Rome, Ohio, which is right across the river from Lewis County, where I'm from, uh, who may have had access to local witnesses, added some essential details regarding the creature, which were not covered in the newspaper accounts of the sightings. Pilchus wrote that the woman from Covington saw the thing bent over, and that she went on to describe a something, there's no word, it starts, the paragraph starts with, the word with, uh, with cellulite lobes running up its bare skull, this slimy, shuffling, colossal mass of organic matter must have been a traumatizing sight to behold. This is, I hate this article, whatever you want to call it. A testament to just how frightening this brief flap was, especially to the children of the region. What the heck? They just took that complete thing out of there. I'm sorry. Anyways. That's aggravating because this article is all I'm not even gonna call this an article this wiki post is all over the place um, a testament to just how frightening this brief flap was especially to the children of the region was published in the Cincinnati Post and Times Star in it they stated that an 11 year old phoned to ask if the green men really are coming out of the river in groups of 12 as his teacher said they were uh, <laughs> feel like this is something I would have done as a teacher, <laughs> just to mess with some kids. Um, but I feel like this doesn't even connect at all because, if anything, this is a callback to, you know, Kelly Hopkinsville and stuff. I don't think green men were cited here. I just think this was a teacher messing with um, 11-year-olds, which is pretty easy to do. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, by Saturday, the police said the phone calls had ceased and that the monster has left town. Uh, but that declaration, declaration might have been a little premature. In 1922's The Bigfoot Casebook, author Janet and, authors Janet and Colin Board report that a motorist by the name of George Wagner claimed to have seen a huge two-legged creature walking over on a bridge over the Ohio River sometime in February 1959 near Covington, Kentucky. One can only assume that this was in early February. With that final report, the malformed, hairless, tendril-bearing, bipedal behemoth <laughs> seemed to have vanished off the face of the earth, or perhaps just slipped back into the muddy depths of the Ohio River, or of its seemingly innumerable tributaries, uh, just waiting for a time when it can rise again to wreak havoc. I'm not... I don't really like that description, wreak havoc, because, like... You know, even though five people saw this thing, there's not a single report of it being aggressive whatsoever. Um, oh, yeah, most definitely. And that's a that might be a soapbox I get on by the end of this, is just how we treat um, cryptids well, we and the otherworldly. Yeah, it's like, well, I'll go ahead and get on it. Might as well. <laughs> it seems like every... And I'm, I don't think everybody hunting cryptids is out to kill one and capture one. Um... But I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, hunt Bigfoot. You know, um, I've been reading through the Mothman prophecies, and John Keel talks about people going to um, uh, the house of Woody Derenberger, the guy who um, claims to have met Entered Cold, uh, you know, with shotguns and rifles and camping out in the woods, like, to kill Mothman or... Or no, they were at his house 
or UFOs, but people would go to the TNT area to hunt Mothman. I'm like, why? Like, I don't understand the immediate reaction of some people to automatically kill these things. Like, to me, that's such a, such a shitty leap to take in your head. Like, it's one thing of, you know, something's threatening. Uh, you know, but Mothman, um, even though there's numerous reports of people seeing um, what can be described as Mothman, it's not like he physically assaulted anybody. Um, did he, he chase after cars, you know, that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, people seeing him outside of vehicles, and, you know, while I'm sure it was scary as fuck, like... Right. Not not once was there like a physical assault of any kind, and to me, I don't know. It just aggravates me um, when people you know try to hunt these things. Um, and I'm not going to make this political by any means because I feel like there's a lot um, of overlap between the attitudes of that and the attitudes of how we treat people. You know, just people different from us. I don't see a problem with. Uh, like hunting, you know, like deer hunting, turkey hunting, whatever, you know, because that's the cycle of life, essentially, you know. I don't do it myself. Um, that's mainly because I'm lazy, and I don't like um, getting up super early and going outside when it's cold. Um, but, I don't know, that's just something that the more I dig into this stuff, because I've, you know, I haven't really dug into cryptid stuff and stuff like that until pretty recently. I've just seen the reports of, you know, it's one thing to hunt cryptids, and then there's, you know, actual hunting cryptids. I'm like, there's no point. Like, like there's plenty so, of ways. Go ahead. So to throw my two cents, I don't hunt either. Um, I was traumatized as a child. Went hunting with my father. Killed Bambi. Never again. <laughs> Um, do I like deer meat? Of course. But me personally, I cannot take an animal's life. Mm-hmm. If it's dog, cats, chickens, goats, whatever. And for me, hunting, um, you know, hunting the unexplained, um, you know, you're going out and you're trying to record or capture, um, you know, cryptology, aliens, Whenever I say capture, I'm not saying physically capture. Yeah, you're saying like uh, capture evidence. Yes. Now, for the the people that go out there and they're like, well, I'm going to take my AR and all this and that, and I'm going to kill this thing where we're going to have proof. No. The camera works just as good. That's the only proof you need. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, that skeptic out there. It's like, that's a man in a, Bigfoot suit, or you know, I don't like it, just it irritates me to no end because mm-hmm. we all deserve to live. Um, people, animals, and, I mean, who's to say that most of these cryptos aren't human in some shape or fashion? Yeah, like there's not a, and I think the case could be made, um, for a lot of them if they are real with. Their ability, especially the larger ones, their ability to stay out of the eye of, you know, people for so long is that there's a form of intelligence there. Like, it's not like they're not just animals walking around as we know them. Um, But, you know, there's a sense of intelligence there that allows them to stay hidden. And to me, you know, that's like, that's the thing you want to go out and hunt another intelligent thing that you know first of all you know if your intentions are bad you know and you did come across a certain cryptid you know it it may not end well <laughs> like uh for you <laughs> yeah that's what i mean like you know i think i think it's fine to go out there and capture evidence um and of course you know even if you even if you get the clearest video ever of something um unexplainable people are going to call it a hoax people are going to you know try to tear it apart um 
Yeah, I, that's just human nature. Uh, and it goes back to, you know, because if these things were, were real, it shifts the worldview. And that's not something that a lot of people can take sitting down, um, is, you know, witnessing something that fundamentally changes the way that the world works uh, in their eyes and, you know, on, even on a larger scale. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, in the thick of the monster panic, the Claremont County Dispatcher Heisler speculated that the eyewitnesses might have seen a tree bobbing up and down in the water. The tree bobbing theory was shared by local dam lockman William Sprague. Sprague's seemingly plausible driftwood supposition might help explain the youthful lady's Fort Thomas surging octopus sighting, but it clearly does not take into account the facts that neither trees nor waves have feet, fat rolls, or tentacles, nor does it address the testimony of the eyewitness who saw it jump onto a bridge. Um, and once again, I think I think the you know car accident victim explanation is a lot more plausible than this. Um, because I feel like most of the sightings come from it being out of the water. Uh, right. Uh, when all is said and done, the three big questions that both modern investigators and eyewitnesses were faced with are, is this some kind of amphibious animal hitherto unknown to science that was able to bury deep into the river and hibernate undetected for inordinately long stretches of time? This might explain why sightings are rare, but if the octoman were ectothermic with a body temperature that fluctuated wildly depending on the environment, then why would it have lurched out of the river in the dead of winter? Um, and once again, I think this points to it maybe being, uh, you know, if it's real of an extra or ultra terrestrial environment, you know, because these things may not operate on biology as we understand it. Um, so I think that's something that could be said for, you know, that question. God, this article goes on forever. I do want to point out, I read this beforehand. I'm not just reading it now as we go through it. I read it, but it's been a few days. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Pat, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, not really. Okay. Uh, there's other possibilities saying this could be called the Octo Squatch. Um, which was allegedly seen by a pair of eyewitnesses in Spain less than two years after Octoman encounters. I mean, if that's the case, this dude gets around, or this thing, this UWS. Um, however, the... Uh, I know a few people like that. <laughs> uh, the the Octo Squatch scene in Spain were just over three foot tall, where this thing was described as, you know, monstrous. Um, and they were also uh, covered with a thick coat of rust-colored hair. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like that pretty much nullifies that right there. Um, there's also the intriguing possibility that this lumbering aberration of nature might be a combination of animal and plant tissue. This is considered to be a biological impossibility, but there are rare cases, such as the Florida Moss Man. Uh, that seemed to indicate the very real possibility of human-animal-plant hybrids lurking in the vast uncharted swamps. Uh, Swamp man. This just makes me think of that Goosebumps book where that dad's like um, basically trying this in his basement and ends up turning into one. And I may be getting it wrong because it's been years since I remember reading or watching this Goosebumps thing. But... uh but that's what that reminds me of. <laughs> what it, if, it reminds me of Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing from DC. Yeah, that too. Um, I was going to say, what if Goosebumps is actually all actual accounts, but R.L. Stein had to publish them as fiction just because it's been forever since I've read Goosebumps. But I know that shit fucked me up as a kid. Some of them, some of them were fucked, like <laughs> way out there. Right. Fact that this I mean, creature, or go ahead. I mean, it would would make sense because I mean, you know, you put it as fiction so you don't get ridiculed for publishing it, and you could turn it into one of the best known horror books for kids. 
Well, I mean, um, and there's, I mean, this, this kind of thing has been played out in fictional scenarios where, um, like, you know, Men in Black, uh, the movie, uh, with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, you know, they read the National Enquirer, um, uh, you know, for news about aliens, uh, because, you know, that's their job. Um, and then, you know, in some of like, uh, like the fantasy, especially like urban fantasy and stuff, I read, you know, these fringe newspapers are actually out there, you know, reporting the truth, but everybody thinks it's just rock. Uh, so yeah, so this, that's not an idea that hasn't been explored. Um, which, you know, I think it's neat to think about that kind of stuff to entertain that possibility. Uh, the fact that this creature was seen by so many witnesses in such a brief window of time has also led some to speculate that it might just be a lost alien. Here we go. Uh, they surmise that the creature's craft may have crashed into a larger body of water and that the stranded thing was just looking for a way to contact home. E.T. Exactly. Oh, I guess there was a lot of UFO. It says the dearth of local UFO sightings that night. Combined with the lack of any reported air crash in the area, seemed to pretty well wrap that theory up. Oh, I guess I don't know what Earth means. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> Let me Google this. Oh, scarcity. Okay, so yeah. Never mind. I'm still sticking to my theory, though. Screw that. Uh, most terrestrial-minded folks, including a handful of crypto authors like John Green, writer of Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us, and the aforementioned Colin Janet Board, have lumped these sightings in with more traditional Bigfoot reports, but based on the witness description of a lopsided, hairless, octopus-like beast, it would seem that this deduction is at best counterintuitive. Um, I'm going to skip this next paragraph because it kind of gets into something we'll probably talk about in a later episode. I mean, actually, I'll briefly mention it, but it talks about the um, the Loveland Frogmen, um, also hailing from the Ohio River, uh, or pretty close to it, um, somewhere in Ohio. We'll probably talk about them because it's still in the same area. Uh, but I know this is um, something that gets lumped in with Ohio River cryptids, the Loveland Frogmen. Um, and then there's the something called the <coughs> the Green Clawed something. I have it written down somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's just called the Green Clawed Monster of the Ohio River. <laughs> a woman claims she was uh, grabbed by while swimming. Another reason to not swim in the Ohio River, if you ask me. Um, but, yeah. A lot of this goes on to talk about the frogmen and the possibility that this was the Green Clawed Beast. Um... I mean, that's kind of it. It talks about uh, the 1970s one not-so-classic movie monster, Octoman, uh, which I don't think has anything to actually do with this. Um, it's just a movie of that name. Right. I mean, yeah, that pretty much wraps up that article. So I'll ask you, Pat, you know, what do you think this was? Um. Or could be. I mean, there's so much potential there. Um, you know, just going based off what I said, um, you never know if there's somewhere near the river that connects to mammoth caves. You never know what's in a mammoth cave. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Um, Ohio River is highly polluted. Um chemicals and you never know what you know what is in there you know growing up i always heard the tale of a catfish the size of a car um you know the fact that it could have been uh, an alien i mean the thing about it is we don't know um we don't have a way to study it 
So therefore it's kind of hard for us to pin down. Um, for me personally, I feel like it's from space. Just, I mean, it's just my two cents. Yeah. And that's kind of what I lean towards. Um, Mainly so I can sleep at night, because if something like this were actually um, from Earth, I'd be terrified. Like I said, if it's real. Um, I do want to say, I can attest to, you know, shit in the Ohio River. Not literal shit, but, you know, just a broadcast oh, of shit. Yeah. Um, I used to live pretty close to the Ohio River, and I, uh, and I had rats around my house that were as big as small cats. Um, and I mean like not like always small cats. I mean like in kind of that in between in between stage where a kitten, you know, grows up and isn't like a full grown cat yet, but like, you know, around in there. And that's pretty big for rat. And these things tormented me for like six months till <laughs> I don't know if I got rid of them or if they finally just said, hey, we're about to drive this guy insane. Let's go on to another house for a while. Uh, but yeah, they were monstrous. Um, <laughs> yeah, and something else I've seen descriptions elsewhere of this creature is uh, is Lovecraftian. And I really like that description because a lot of Lovecraft, um, I guess Lovecraftian beings, you know, elder ones and whatnot, uh, but... Uh, they do take on this description when he writes about them. So if you know this, they have this indescribable quality to where, you know, their biology doesn't really make sense to us. And that's like, that's part of the fear inducing um, aspect of the unknown uh, that permeates a lot of Lovecraft's work. Um, I don't, you know, you'll find people out there that think Lovecraft was onto something and that this stuff was real. I'm not one of those people. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think it's very love. I mean, look at Cthulhu. Cthulhu's got a fucking squid head. He's much larger than what this was or is. Um, and much it is the spawn of Cthulhu. Oh god. See, I feel like, like I said, I don't believe any of the Lovecraft stuff's real. Um, and once again, that's mainly to keep my own sanity and <laughs> allow me to sleep at night because uh, a Lovecraft world is about as bleak as it gets um, dealing with these elder gods that you can absolutely do nothing about. Uh, but if you're into that stuff, I will plug a podcast here um, that I, I haven't listened to recently, but I listened to it some. Um, the Ancient Gods uh, uh, I wanna I'm gonna Google this because I wanna make sure I get it right. Cause I think I I was close to spinning it wrong. Oh, okay, uh, old gods of Appalachia, and I'll plug that. I'll plug a link to that in the show notes in case any of y'all are interested. Um, but very Cthulhu. Um very Cthulhu-like vibe, and it's meant to have. Like, that's one of their inspirations. And um, I know we're kind of veering off Octoman and, you know, Supernatural, but just just the age and the um, and what all has happened in, like, the Appalachians and, um, you know, Eastern Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, those places with the coal mining and stuff. Uh, if there was something... The you know deep and dark there. Uh, uh, we've probably done. I was like, we probably done fucked up. Well, because I mean, between all the mining and um, you know, blowing up hillsides and stuff like that, who knows what's lived inside or on top of those mountains that we've pushed out of their area. So. Exactly. And My that's, two cents. And that's, uh, I mean, and I mean, if you go into Eastern Kentucky, like in places, it's pretty desolate. I mean, and I don't mean that as in like, I feel like desolate describes like more like desert and just bare. Uh, but I'm using desolate as in like, 
It's low low know. population. Like low population, but just just bleak. Um uh bleak and abysmal like it's it's just not a place where I personally like to spend a whole lot of time. Um there are beautiful places down there and I love, you know, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia, all of it in general. But like I said, there are places there that just that uh, just feels oppressive. Um, yeah. Well, put it this way. I went to Hazard a couple weeks ago. And li- literally the car ride there, the only thing I seen was trees and mountains. Mm-hmm. And this isn't even all the way over on the Appalachia. It's but Hazard pretty far being better... Yeah, but Hazard being, you know, a decent sized city. Um, well, it's only decent because it's all fucking laid out on mountains. Like, yeah, oh, <laughs> I've been to Hazard one time, and I had to stay there for a week for training for um back when I worked for the post uh, USPS, and I like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a decent size, but it's called nothing's close together, and it's all on mountains, and like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, well, I mean, so whenever I went in, I was basically at the foothill of, like, three or four mountains. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how the fuck could anybody live here? I don't but, know. I mean, a lot of it goes... Go ahead. Going through Hazard, I did see a lot of vehicles. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is being people being tied to place, and that's something that you know is big in a uh, a lot of rural places. I think. Um, so yeah, so so before we get too far off topic, uh, I say we probably should just go ahead and wrap things up. Um, like we said, this episode was a little different. Um, with us kind of reading through our source material instead of just talking about it, um, which, you know, we kind of did both. Uh, if you have an opinion on whether you like this, like if we should um, try to kind of read from a source and then discuss, um, or if you liked what we used to do better, we can kind of just compile our notes and come up with talking points and do that. Uh, you know, let us know. Um, if you're in the Facebook group. Uh, let us know. You can always send Pat or I a um a message DM. on there. Yeah. Um you can email us at uh podcast at gmail dot com. Uh if you have a Twitter, you know, feel free to reach out to us on there. Uh, uh let me before I say that. Well, I mean I guess I've already said it, but now let me figure out what our handle is. Um it's inliminalitypod uh you can just follow us on there i'll be honest i haven't i don't really promote a whole lot on twitter yet uh because i want to get our um kind of backlog of episodes built up um probably to around six or seven to give people stuff to actually listen to um to so they can kind of see if they're into it or not um but you know that's another way to get a hold of us I think once the community grows a little bit, which, like I said, this could be, you know, Pat and I have done Express. We're in this long term. You know, this isn't something where we're going to say, oh, we're not getting listens or whatever. Um, we're not going to do this. Um, we both just enjoy getting on here and shooting the shit about this kind of stuff. Uh, Almost definitely. Yeah. I mean, both of us are, you know, making piece of money. And literally, this is just something for us to where we can do a little research mm-hmm. um and just inform uh let people know what it's like to live in Kentucky um uh, being born and raised here and you know letting everybody know like paranormal uh cryptology and everything mm-hmm. so yeah so like we said, if you have anything to say, whether it's a critique on the show, if you have stories you want to share, please, please get a hold of us with those. Um, we haven't really asked a whole lot for them yet, but I think we're reaching a point where, you know, we, me and Pat, would at least like to hear from others um, on stuff they've experienced firsthand. 
um, you know, and we can always schedule something. Uh, we may even, you know, like bring you on the show. We'll probably talk to you beforehand, you know, and see if you're comfortable with that and stuff. But I, well, I mean, we're not just going to call you and be like, hey, we're recording. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Like anything you don't want us um, to talk about or anything you don't want your name tied to, you know, we're fine with that. Uh, but we would like to hear some actual stories from you all. Um, if you know people that'd be interested in the podcast, uh, you know, tell them about it. We're on uh, this week, actually. We just got on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to be looking at getting into some of the more other major um, podcast distributors as time goes on. Um, I'm just, it's kind of me learning this as I go. Um, I know some people listen to it on Stit or listen to their podcasts on stuff like Stitcher and whatnot. So I'm probably gonna look at, look at that next. Um, but yeah, get it get us out there. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a, a five star review. Um, if you want to leave us anything less than that, just you know, just reach out and tell us that this is what you don't like because. Uh, the reason for the five stars kind of to um, help more people discover us. The more five stars um, we have, the better off we are in that algorithm on Apple, uh, which, you know, kind of pushes stuff out there for people um, that aren't coming in, or I guess I could say organically, because um, I feel a lot of people that listen are people that uh, Pat and I know. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much probably makes up the majority of our audience. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you know, get the word out there. Um, and like Pat and I said, this isn't so we can, you know, get podcast famous, whatever that means. But it's more so the more people that listen, the more stories we get. And um, ultimately, I feel like the better content we'll be able to push out uh, in the future. So you know, so if you like what we're doing, you want to see us um, be able to do more, uh, you know, kind of help us out wherever you can. Um, Pat, other than that, do you got anything to say? No, the only thing I can say is basically rehash what you said. Um, I don't know a lot about the Apple store and the, the podcast scene on Apple, but like you said, leave us a five star because, I mean, we're not trying to get rich from doing this by any means it's just we want to be able to interact with our you know our listeners and stuff like that so i mean it gives us a chance for other people to um you know find us yeah um but please i mean if you like it you know leave a review send us a message if you don't like it Hell, send us a message. Tell us what you didn't like. Don't leave a review if you don't like it. Just send us a message. <laughs> or, you know, blast us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I mean, I think that pretty much sums up the episode. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, also, if you have any more to add on Octoman, we'd love to hear it. Because, uh, like I said, we couldn't really come across a whole bunch. Um, but, yeah. Um Yes. Can we give them some info on what we're like a little teaser on what we'll talk about next week or go ahead and sign on? Um, we can throw some ideas out there and see if we can get any uh, feedback. All right. Um, yeah, so next week, uh, I don't know, I'm just hesitant to give away the topic. Oh, but at the same time, you know, if we want stories and stuff. Uh, anyways. Um, this kind of just happened. It was kind of serendipitous or a um, story. I'm not going to give too much away. Uh, but next week, we're actually going to be talking about Bigfoot sightings in in Kentucky. Uh, because I know I just kind of happened to do some research. And I came across some, some interesting stuff uh, for me. Um, and um, we'll also have another guy on next week, a good buddy of mine, to talk about Bigfoot sightings where he's from, uh, which is actually where I think Pat told me the Wild Man in Kentucky, the Wild Man Festival is in Kentucky. Um, so if you know where that's at, you know the area I'm talking Lawrence about. Lawrenceburg. Lawrence. I don't think Lawrence. Is Lawrenceburg in Lawrence County? What is it? 
you cut out there. Oh, I was asking if Lawrenceburg is in Lewis Can Lawrence County. Oh no. No. Okay. So forget half of what I just said. Um <laughs> My buddy is not from Lawrenceburg, which is on the it's west of Lexington. Uh my buddy is from Lawrence County, uh, Kentucky, which um has the most Bigfoot sightings in the state, um, according to uh, a website that I'll talk more about next week. Uh, but yeah, so if that sounds up your alley, or if you know anybody um, that, that sounds like it'd be up their alley, let them know. Um, or if you know anybody that is from, the, from Kentucky or Appalachian in general, you know, we're not going to leave out, you know, other places i'm um, in appalachia um you know southern ohio anybody have any stories about there um any encounters or whatnot you know go ahead and let them let us know um we'll try to reach out to them or have them reach out to us we'd be more than glad to talk to them uh but yeah almost oh, definitely um so now now that i already plugged all of our social media stuff like 10 minutes ago and people have done forgot what it is um I guess it's probably a good time to say we'll see y'all next time. Yep. And this is Patrick. Oh, oh. Stay haunted. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.